All right, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. That's in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament. Today, I want to title this. If I'm giving it a title, uh, I just want to call it Down But Not Out. Down but not out. I believe there are moments in our lives where we are down, but we have to have some tenacity about ourselves and say, I ain't out though. The enemy might have thought that he had me down, but I'm not out. And I need somebody to hear today, you might be down, but you are not out. You are, you are serving a God of second, third, fourth, 25th chances. What you're about to read is a story about Jerusalem. This is the third time they've been exiled. This isn't just the first time it's happened. This is the third time the Lord has restored the house of Jerusalem and the walls. And so we're going to read about Nehemiah today. And I just want to come from a vantage point to let you know that you might be down, but you ain't out. I got anybody in the room today that's been down before, but they weren't out? I said, I got anybody in the room today that's been down, but they ain't been out? Woo! I'm going to be a little excited about it because let me tell you something. I've been down. I have been down for a while at times. But the Holy Spirit comes by and reminds me I don't have to be out. Come on, somebody. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 to start today. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chisli in the 20th year as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. He's asking for a report on those that have have made it out, those that have come back, and what about Jerusalem? And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Lord, I pray over your word today, God, that it will encourage it will strengthen, it will uplift, and it will transform our lives today. Lord, we are people of the kingdom of heaven, not of the world, so that when we go down, we don't have to be out because we have someone that fights the battles for us, someone that gives us supernatural strength, someone that we can put our hope and our trust into, and that is you, Lord. So today, may we be encouraged, may we be stirred today to know that, God, you fight on our behalf, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start with this question. Has anyone ever had a report that you didn't expect? You received a report, whether it's been at a doctor's office, they said something across the table and it took the breath out of your lungs. Or you were living life and divorce papers got delivered to you and you had no idea it was even coming. Maybe some of you have received a report that maybe your child isn't walking with the Lord anymore. And it came as something that caught you off guard. Or maybe some of you in the room gave your life to a job. And they walked in and put a pink slip on your desk and said, it's time for you to get out. Maybe some of you have had a housing situation where you thought everything was good and then all of a sudden you can't afford it no more because you lost your source of income or the the, the landlord moved in and said, hey, it's time for you to go because I want to live here or I'm selling or whatever. You have these situations that go on and maybe for some of you, you've done a self-assessment and you've looked at your own life and the report that you see in yourself is not what you thought it was going to be. You're like, I am not the man of God I thought I would be by this point. I am not the woman of God that I thought I'd be by this point. I'm not in the place that I thought I would be by in this point. You have received a report that you were not uh, expecting, and it was devastating. 
And here in Nehemiah, Nehemiah receives one of these reports. He's like, please tell me how everything is going. And then it's something that catches him off guard. A lot of times we, we, we have to wake up and realize and pay attention to the response that Nehemiah gave. And I, I believe the Lord has led me to this scripture today to help someone in the room understand how to respond to a report. How to respond to something that you hear that you weren't expecting. How do we man up as men and women of God and fight for the things that we weren't expecting? So today I want to encourage you that it doesn't matter how many times you've heard this report, God will still provide a way. God will still provide a way. Like I said before we started, there's a reason I mentioned this was the third time. Because God had done it before, He'll do it again. He's done it before, He would do it again. He's the same God today, yesterday, and forever. So if we're going to look at Nehemiah's life, let's start with how Nehemiah responded to this report. If you look at verse 4, it says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So let's, let's look at Nehemiah for just a second. As soon as I heard this report, I began to cry, weep, and mourn for days. I want to point out the fact to you that Nehemiah is just a normal person. Nehemiah was not a prophet, not a priest. He was just a man that had a job. He was a cupbearer. He was doing his job. He was doing what he was called to do. Then he heard this report and he went. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I want you to realize you can relate to Nehemiah. God doesn't just move on that behalf of the prophet or the priest. He moves on the behalf of his children. And that he hears your cry. The second thing we see is he weeps and mourns about it. It is okay to have that response when you hear a report. Let me set you free for just a second. It's okay to cry about it. It's okay, it's okay to weep about it. It's okay to be devastated by it. But the thing that separates Nehemiah from everyone else is, I continue to pray and fast to God in heaven. He knew that that was not the final report. Some people in the room need to know the report that you have, whatever situations going on in your life, the things that you weren't expecting, the things that caught you off guard, that is not the final say-so. That is not the final say-so. And we have to realize that God has the final word. He, our hope is in Him. We cannot stay weeping and mourning for long. He understood that there was going to be a way. He had to turn to the one who could make that way. That if there was any hope, his hope had to be in the Lord. Can I tell you this, church? Fasting and praying is essential in your life. I said fasting and praying. Fasting and praying. We did a whole series on fasting back in January at the beginning of the year, if you need to go back and look at that and just see what is fasting about and what does it do. But I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 through 5 for you today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Here's why I'm telling you that fasting and praying is essential. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
this is how we fight our battles. This is how we respond. When you hear a report, church, some of you might be living on the mountaintop right now and everything's going good in your life. Tomorrow that could change. Tomorrow there's a report that could come along that just knocks you off your feet. Let me tell you something. It's okay to mourn, but don't stay there. Don't set up camp and go, woe is me. Don't call somebody that's going that, that, to just hand feed you and be, it's okay to soak in this and to stay here and to keep you in that place. No, you turn your eyes to the one that can take those things away and begin to fast and pray and say, I don't receive this report. My hope is in the Lord and watch God move on your behalf. We have to realize we don't fight the way the world fights. We're not fighting against each other. We're fighting against, there are spirits and evil principalities in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you want to admit it or not, they are real. And this scripture is telling us we cannot fight according to the world. I can't go to my friend, Shanae, down the street and say, girl, I'm going to need your help right now to come fight with me. Because I got somebody I want to lay my hands on. I got somebody that needs to know how I really feel. No, I'm going to turn to the Lord. And I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to watch him move in ways I've never seen him move before. When I say the Lord moves on the behalf of fasting, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking he moves in mighty ways. I'm talking where no man could move anybody out of a position. He's moved them out of a position. When no man can move someone out of a position, they have been removed from a position because there are people who fear the Lord fasting for that. He will move on your behalf, but we've got to quit fighting the way the world fights. We've got to quit fighting and trying to go to that. We don't fight according to the flesh, but we pray and fast. We praise. We worship. It might seem crazy to you, but I will praise through the storm. Hope wrote this bridge that says, I will run into the waves and praise you in this storm. Why is that? Because I know in the midst of that storm, he's going to show up. When I run into a storm or into waves and I praise the name of the Lord, I'm letting that situation know there is one greater than you. You can blow, you can strike fear all you want to, but I am not wavering because my feet are on a rock and I trust in someone higher than what's going on in my life. I'm praising the one who can calm the storm. I'm praising the one who's empowered us to speak to the storm. Time to get up and take off the sackcloth and gird yourself with the armor of God. The day of mourning your report is over. It is time to get up, get out of that pit, put on the armor of God, and let's fight. Let's fight. We don't have to believe that report anymore. That thing doesn't have the power to change your life anymore. That thing doesn't have power to keep you down and out from what God's called you to do. That thing cannot, that person, that place, that thing, that situation, that doctor's report, that stuff cannot keep you down. It does not have the power to do it. You allow it to have that power. So when I pray and fast, I'm taking the authority from that thing and putting it back to who it belongs. Nehemiah realized this. So today is the day we battle with prayer and with fasting and we begin to rebuild. We have to be reminded, I might have been knocked down, but I ain't out. Somebody said, I was knocked down, but I ain't out. My English teachers are freaking out on me in here. You can't say it that way. 
Oh, yes, I can. All proper English goes out the door when the enemy walks in. I ain't got to say it, right? I just, I ain't out. I ain't out, sucker. You come to fight, I'm ready to fight. I ain't talking proper, I'm talking nasty, son. Some of y'all need to get ugly in your face sometimes. Y'all need to stomp when that thing tries to come in and say, not in my house. You came to fight, you picked the wrong house to fight with. You picked the wrong family to mess with. Because I pray and I fast, and there is one who fights for me. Sucker, you better go. We got to be like Nehemiah and realize that it's not in our own power. He knew he couldn't do it. His heart was broken for the report, but he turned to the one that could do it. The Lord is just looking for you to say yes. He's just looking for you to say, you're the one that can do it. And he does it. We've got to open up our hearts and allow him to come in. He knew he couldn't do it. The Lord is just looking for someone who can trust him. Who can trust him. And we have to realize it's not by our own might. Mm. When you walk in the favor of God, the things of this world will work for you. Let me explain why I say that statement. When, you're, when the favor of God is on your life, the things of this world will work for you. Nehemiah worked for a worldly king, a Persian king. This is a king that didn't believe in the Lord, but had a ton of power. He's praying and fasting that the favor of the Lord would be on his servant. God puts favor on him. He goes before the king, and this is all in Nehemiah. You can read this later. He goes before the king, and he said, I've never been sad in the presence of the king before. But he looked at me and said, something's wrong. What's wrong? Why are you sad? And he said, if, he said and then I prayed to the Lord. He prayed under his breath in the spirit real quick. In that moment, he said, Lord, you have to, I, I prayed for favor. Here it is. My home is destroyed, and my heart is broken, and I want to do something about it. I want to go and do it. And the king, it said, the king said in the presence of his wife, how long will it take you? He tells him it pleases the king. Now listen, listen to me. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. What is a cupbearer, pastor? That's cool, he holds a cup. No, listen, the cupbearer was trusted with the life of the king. If he felt like there was poison in the cup, he's like, you take a drink of it first. And Nehemiah would have to drink the cup. And if he didn't die, then he would give it to the king. That is trust in someone. So he has a very high position. Cupbearers also had influence because they were tight with the king. They served the king, and anything that came to try to kill the king was stopped by this person. So he's telling this guy, it's okay for you to go. I'll find someone to fill your position. This is huge. When you read the word, you really have to pay attention to what's happening. The king is okaying for his cupbearer to leave. It's like something like 12 years that he goes for. And he's okay with it because he had the favor of God on his life. And not only was he okay with it, he said, I'm going to need some letters. I'm going to need some timber. I'm going to need some escorts. Whatever you need, you can have it. The worldly king gave him papers gave him escorts, gave him letters to people who had the provisions that he needed. The world provided what the kingdom of heaven needed. 
Because there was favor on the life of Nehemiah. When you pray and fast, there is favor on your life for the world to work for you. I'm tired of the world taking from me. I want it to work for me. The Lord wants to favor you. He wants to put his favor on you. He wants to put his favor on you. Does anybody in the room want the favor of the Lord? I want that favor that changes things, that shifts situations, that makes the world work for me. And I I put this in my notes this morning as I was working on it. I was kind of typing it out, praying over it, thinking about it. The Lord wanted me to remind some of you in the room, you're not where you are because of you. The Lord had favor on your life in a season you needed it. So don't ever stand on your mountain and say, I'm here because of me. You're here because of the favor of the Lord. Mm. So today, we want to be Nehemiahs. We want to respond with a difference in our lives. We want to respond with prayer and with fasting and praise and with worship. And there's going to be some lives rebuilt here today. There's going to be some lives. For some today, it's going to be your relationship with the Lord. For some, it's your emotional health. For others, it's your purpose and your calling in life. For some, it's for your children returning to the Lord. For some, it might be a situation at work. Whatever it may be, I want the Nehemiahs to raise up in the room today. We might be down, but we ain't out. We might be down, but we ain't out. Let me pastor for a moment. As we begin to get this favor on our lives, people start noticing. When you walk in favor, people notice. Even the world notices. When you're walking in favor, they're like, something different about that dude. Something different about that girl. She like walks different. She talks different. What's all over her life? Look to Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. I want us to leave encouraged and empowered today, but I also want to ready you for war. I want to ready you to fight for this because you're going to have to fight. Just because the Lord's going to put favor on your life doesn't mean the enemy's not going to come against you. Chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Samballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us. Jeered means to make rude and mocking remarks to them. And despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. When you are rebuilding or recommitting to the plans and purpose of your life, you will have haters. You will have haters because don't nobody like to see somebody win. Hold up, them walls been down for a long time. Why are you starting to build them now? Who do you think you are? You just going to rebuild the walls? They just going to go up and y'all going to be safe? 
Y'all trying to do this against the world, against the king? And you just have to understand that you have to look at them like Nehemiah did and said, you have no power here. You have no power here. Your opinion in this kingdom don't matter. What you're trying to say to me does not matter because it is God who will make this happen. Some of y'all, some of y'all today are going to go to church. Y'all are going to get, y'all, 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 are, y'all are in the midst of y'all's situation and your circumstance, and I'm trying to empower you to a point where it's just like, some of y'all need to go home today and look at your whole house. Look at your TV. Look at your phone. Look at your internet and say, in this kingdom, you have no right and opinion in my life. There are some friends in your circle. You need to look at them and go, I love you to death. But in this kingdom, you have no right and no opinion because God is going to rebuild. When those people come along, remember you're doing this unto the Lord and that they have no authority or say or portion in your situation. And when you do that, when that happens, they're going to go away for just a little bit. For a season. They want to see if you're really going to do what you said you would do. They're going to jeer at you at first. You're going to say, nope, I will stand in the mighty name of Jesus. And they'll be like, all right, all them other church people say that too. Let's see how far you go. And then they step back. And this is where the Nehemiahs are separated from the normal church goer. Chapter 6, 1 through 9. Oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. I wish I could stand next to Nehemiah and dab that dude up every time he reported back to these guys. Be like, bro, you tell them. You tell them. Come on. Ain't nobody got time for you. You'll see what I mean when you read it, okay? I know. (laughs) I have way more fun than I think (laughs) everyone in the room does, but it's okay. Now, these are the same people. They had came. I read their names earlier. Here we go. Chapter 6, verse 1. Let me show you something. Now, when Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Samballot and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at Hecathirim in the plain of Ono, But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sam Ballot for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. It is written. And it was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. There's some rumors going around about you. This is what everybody's saying about you. This is what everybody's saying about you. There's two names in this letter, bro. Everybody ain't talking about me. You talking about me. That better set somebody free today. I said, everybody ain't talking about you. Two people are talking about you. (laughs) There was drama in the Bible. So-and-so said it. I heard him. He was over at my house the other day. You know what he had said? 
That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say have been done. For you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Woo! I ain't hit a Ric Flair woo in a minute. When the enemy sees that your emotional health is built back and there is no breach in it, that there is no more weakness in you, they're going to start talking. When that lame dude sees your reliance isn't built on him, he will know that there is no breach. He's going to start talking. When that toxic person in your life realizes you have built that wall back and it doesn't include them on the inside where they have opportunities to slip back in, they're going to start talking. When the enemy sees your walls around your family that you have built, they're going to start coming and trying to attack your home. I need you to pay attention. It says when they realized I was doing what I said I was going to do and there was no opportunity for them to come against me anymore, they turned the heat up. If the heat in your life is being turned up right now, you're doing the right thing. Your walls are being built. And just like Nehemiah, be confident. Be confident. I didn't say that, and that is not my intention. So I am not stopping what I'm doing. You can go on somewhere because no one has time for what you're trying to say about me. I am confident in what God has said about me, and that's all that matters. He said, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come to you? Don't pay him any attention. Don't pay the naysayers in your life any attention. And I put this in my notes, too, because, listen, the, the, the struggle, too, sometimes is a lot of the haters come from in the church. We all talk about, I'm going to build my walls back. Praise God. And we're going to come down. We're going to pray in a minute. And in about two weeks, you ain't building your wall no more. You're looking at somebody else's wall go up. Then you start writing letters. Boy, I was in the cafe drinking my coffee, eating my sausage and biscuit. And so-and-so said this. I don't care what so-and-so said. Because there is one gaze that I intend to please for all of my days. And as long as those eyes continue to look at me, I'm okay. Some of you need to get to the place where the gaze of the Lord is more important than the gaze of man. Where the opinion of him about you is better than the opinion of man. Because at the end of the day, you will not stand before those that you're trying to please. You will stand before him. And he is the one. He is the one that is worthy of my time. He is the one that is worthy. When I hear his opinion is different about me, Lord, what do you want me to fix? What do you want me to change? What do you want me to do? Then I want to point out the fact that when they responded four more times, their answer remained the same. His response never changed. Don't change your response just because they keep attacking. Continue to stand your ground. Continue to trust in the one that puts you on it. Then they tried to befriend him. Sam Ballot wrote this little letter on the side. and his, He went around his buddies. He comes up and he gives them the note and he says, this is what they're saying and the king, that dude, that, that king, he's going to be real mad at you. So let's just go meet and counsel together, and I'll help you. I just read it to you. That's what they said. He tried to befriend him. 
Come, let us give you counsel because there will be a king that will come for you. And I put this in here and I need you to hear me, church. Be careful of those giving you counsel in your life. They might be calling you down from your assignment and trapping you. I'm going to say it one more time. Be careful of those giving you counsel in your life. They might be calling you down from your assignment and trapping you. If you were once running for the Lord and you ain't no more, you better look who's giving you counsel. When you start believing the opinion of man and somebody's giving you counsel, you need to check him out. You need to see what they're for and what they're about because they're going to come in with this sweet little letter and it's going to seem like they're trying to look out for your best. They just trying to trap you. They're trying to trap you. All they want to do is bring you to destruction because that is the plan of the enemy. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. I'm going to steal you by making it seem so appealing and so in your benefit. But then when you come, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to destroy you. That's all the enemy wants to do. That's all the enemy wants to do. And so I'm here today to tell you, Nehemiah, get up. I'm going to say it one more time. Nehemiah, you need to get up. It has laid in ruins too long. And you need to get up off the ground and you need to go before the Lord with fasting and prayer. And you need to say, today is my day. What the enemy stole, I'm thinking to go back and I'm going to take it. Because that's mine. That ain't yours. That's mine. Those of you in the room that have lost ones, your children that grew up in your home, you better stand up and say, those are mine. They're not yours no more. Come on, church, can we be a little tenacious? Can we be a little excited about the fact that the enemy ain't coming for mine no more? That's mine. I fought for that. I built that. With the power of the Lord, I put in the work. He gave me favor. I'm not saying that's mine in the fact that I brought it all about, but you know what I'm saying. That's mine, enemy. That's mine. I've cried and wept over it too. You've had too many of my tears. No, sir. No, sir. I might go down, but I'm going to go down fighting. Hell and everything else that's coming against my family, I might go down, but I'm going to be fighting. You ain't going to kill me in my pit. You ain't going to get me while I'm crying. You're going to get me while I'm fighting. I'm dying with a sword in my hand. I'm swinging, I'm fighting, and you're going down. And if I don't make it to the end of my days, I don't care because I'm going down fighting. This is the church. The church, ladies and gentlemen, have to get it in their heart that I don't lay down for no one. You are not my king. You didn't die for me. He did. Woo! I hope you're ready to fight. For those that don't understand what's going on, this word is a two-edged sword. It can cut all the way down into the spirit, separating from bone and flesh. It can cut off evil desires. It can cut off spiritual things. This is a sword. So when I say I'm going down fighting and you see me pull up my, my Bible like this, it ain't this one particular. It's just the idea that there's a sword in my hand. And so for some of you, you need to walk in your house today and start marching around just like this, cutting some stuff. Saying now we fight as the army of God. I ain't laying down no more. 
I want the enemy to hear it come out of my sheath. Even if I got to make the shing. That man, ears going to perk up. Uh Uh-oh. He came to fight for real. He came to fight for real. Tired of us laying down to the world. Woo! Mm. And as you begin to fight in that way, as you begin to walk into that promise, listen, Nehemiah reports that the wall was finished in 52 days. And you're like, okay, 52 days, that's a long time. No, not according to the word it ain't. To rebuild a wall like that, they didn't have dozers. They didn't have scaffolding. They didn't have all those things. They were building this thing, and they did it in 52 days, and it was in such a way that the enemies saw it, and they were afraid. They were afraid. Listen, the wall was finished in 52 days, and the enemies that heard about it were afraid and fell greatly, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. The Lord wants to touch you and rebuild you in such a profound way that the people around you will see that your God is on your side. I'm going to declare that one more time over your life. The Lord wants to touch you and rebuild you in such a profound way that the people around you will see that your God is on your side. Come on, church. Someone in the room today, I'm talking to you. This isn't a little quarrel at work. This is devastation. This is generational. This is a long time coming that's been going on in your life and you have been weeping and mourning and today I'm praying and believing for the spirit of Nehemiah to raise up in you. It will be such a profound work that everyone will know you're favored by God. Shoo! Mm, somebody in this room has been looking at the ruins for too long. We must defeat the enemy and let them know they long, no longer have the hold on us. Mm. Can't judge nobody's praise because you have no clue what wall they had to rebuild. You have no idea what hell they came from. You have no idea what enemy they had to fight to overcome. Worship team, where you at? Let's go. I'm done talking. (laughs) We're going to let the Holy Spirit do the work. Hmm. Open your Bibles to Isaiah 54. Everybody good today? Everybody good today? Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Isaiah 54. I'm going to give you just a second to get there because I want you to see the words with me as I declare it over you today. Mm. 
I'm going to start in verse 10. This is the word of the Lord to you today. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, Storm-tossed and not comforted. Behold, I will set your stones in anatomy and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of a gate, your gates of carbuncles, and all your wall of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness... You shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. If anyone, if anyone stirs up strife, it is not for me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me declares the Lord. He's so good. His will for your life is good. His will for your life is good. Stand with me today. I want to encourage two things before we respond to this call today. The first one is this. I want to encourage you in this. I want you to take Isaiah 54.10 and I want you to read it to yourself every day this week. When you get up in the morning, the mountains may depart, the seas may depart, but my steadfast love will never leave you. Know that he is always close. He is always with you no matter where you are. And know that any strife that comes against you is not from him. And any strife that comes against you will fall because of you. It is for the inheritance of those who are servants of the Lord. And we just talked last week. There's a reason we talked about the Lord of our life. If you missed it, you need to go to YouTube and watch Jesus our Lord. And understand the importance of him being in control of our lives. It is for your benefit. So that all these things that I just read to you take place in your life. And know that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And that no thought of judgment coming against you will prosper. That we have an inheritance with the one who loves us so much. Every head bowed and every eye closed in the room today. It's a simple call. Today is the call for Nehemiah's in the room. All I'm doing is calling out Nehemiah's today. If you're in the room and you say, you know what? I got to fight. It's time for me to fight. 
Some of you in the room might already be fighting and you just needed a reminder today that he's still fighting for you. It might have taken, you might be on day 49. There's still a few days coming. Day 52 is right around the corner to where that wall will be rebuilt. Do not quit. Do not stop. Do not believe the report of the enemy. It is one person talking about you. Push through. So I'm calling out Nehemiah's today. As we begin to sing this, I'm not going to ask for a hand raise. I'm not going to ask for a sir. Once we sing Nehemiah's, you come to the front and you're going to fight. And I want to remind you too, Nehemiah fought for others. If there's someone in your life you need to fight for, you need to be down here today. And you need to just lift up praise and worship and understand this is for you, God. This is for you. I will no longer sit and mourn and cry, but I will enter into the promises. I want that favor. I want that favor on my life. So Lord, I call out Nehemiah's from my right to my left, whether they're online or whether they're in this room. Nehemiah's arise in the mighty name of Jesus. Wake up, Nehemiah. Get up. Get up, Nehemiah, in the mighty name of Jesus. And let's fight. Let's fight today. Let's fight today. Come on, church, if you're in Nehemiah, come on and let's fight today.